Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Rocket MSP podcast. Uh, today, we've got a real fun one scheduled. We have a panel discussion about this Kaseya breach. If you're not yet sick of hearing about that, we're going to talk about that today. So first, I'm going to bring on Peter Lowe from DNS Filter. Uh, Peter, you have some really interesting uh, findings from when you you know, you were doing your thing at, at work. So why don't you fill us in on what's going on? Yeah. So, uh, I, this was uh, a little bit last minute, uh, at the time when I found out about the Kaseya breach, I think I was on my sofa watching a movie or something and, uh, I had to jump up and, and run and uh, investigate things. I'm in Malta. So it was at half past 11 my time. Um, yeah, we, we looked at the ransomware that had been uh, analyzed and there was an encrypted config file that was part of it. And, uh, inside the config file was a list of domains that were associated with the ransomware, uh, listed as the command and control domains. Um, we blocked them at DNS filtered, but, um, uh, it turns out that these might actually be a decoy list, which, uh, are just there to confuse, uh, researchers and to tie up resources and to kind of misdirect from what was actually happening. Um, I published the list on GitHub at the time. And since then I've had a few people get in touch to say that, you know, they've investigated their systems. Um, there was one person that, that suggested that it was, uh, just a couple of the domains from the big list. Cause there's uh, I think something like 1200 domains in the list. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was pretty interesting and I'm still hearing from, from other people. I'm discussing with a, a couple of other people about, um, who are looking into the systems that are listed, that they're looking at. Wow. Okay. So what, what I'm hearing is that if, if there were 1200 domains in the list that they might've only been using a few of them, uh, not many. And is it possible that there were domains that they didn't add to the list? It is possible. And the, the thing is that I haven't found conclusively whether uh, they are definitely not being used or if there are just uh, the whole thing is decoy or not. Um, it's something we're still looking into. We're looking at the traffic that we've seen over the past uh, a couple of months to, to these domains, um, and especially around the time of the internet, of course. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's uh, something that we haven't figured out 100% yet. But there's still a lot of details about the whole ransomware attack that aren't, aren't fully understood. Like, for example, why was there any um, uh, uh, in the tens of uh, compromised systems rather than, you know, thousands? I think it has to do with not being able to get the, the client GUIDs from Kaseya. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of possibilities. <clears throat> All right. So uh, now I'm going to bring on the others. And, and we're going to have a, a real fun conversation with this. So, um, let's see, I'm going to bring on Brent from control alt protect. Welcome, Brent. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That connection is, could be better. Uh, 
Okay. We've got John. <laughs> We've got John from Recorded Future. We've got Hello. Zach. Hey, John. We've got Zach from Arrow CMS. We've we've got Shiva from Continuum. Hey guys, morning. And Eric from Barricade Cyber. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? I mean, I'm awesome. Who's who's not excited to be here right now and talk about this? I need more coffee. I think it depends oh, on your time zone. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, it's it's three in the afternoon for me, so I've had plenty of yeah. coffee so far. Yeah, you're fine. All right, so I, I guess what I have to start with is what what should oh man, th- this is such a hard question to get out and not sound like an a hole. What should people that have uh, an on-premise solution like Kaseya or even ConnectWise Manage or Automate or whatever, right? Um, for people that have an on-premise system like this, what should they be doing to protect it from all this malicious garbage out there? That's such a complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. But... um I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is this is going to keep happening. You know, this is the second time that the just 2021 that I know of. So I don't know, like Zach, when, when you think about this kind of crap happening to MSPs, you know, there's, there's something that needs to change. Right. And, and while we would like to blame everything on the vendor, uh, in this case, we'd like to blame Kaseya and talk a lot of trash about Kaseya. Uh, I'm looking at you two. Uh, <laughs> but, but really, like, th- this is shared responsibility. You know, the people that had the on-premise solution, they should have had uh, more. They should have had more in place. Maybe, I don't know. I think maybe... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I you know... Speaking operationally, there's a lot they could have done that may or may not have helped. Um, it, like, probably a web application firewall in this place might have done something, but probably not since it was a logic flaw inside an actual authentication page. Um, the zero trust architecture might have helped if there was some sort of authentication mechanism sitting in front of the actual application authentication mechanism, possibly that could have done something. Um, if they had rigged it to just not be on-prem, which would be super hard to do uh, using reverse proxies, maybe that would have done something. I mean, there's a lot of directions this, is, this could go. Uh, and that's why it's such a difficult question. So I want to push back on that if you can't, if I can, Zach. How about the simple freaking fact that Kaseya knew this? They implemented security measures and tested those security measures while they were working on a patch for their SaaS. After they have tested those security measures and been able to show that at least their mitigation process would have been somewhat successful, why not an effing word to their on-premise partners? Hey. Just let you know, we are working on this bug. Please do the following. We've already done this and tested it, and it's proven to be effective. Yep, I know that you don't know. I mean, you don't you don't know if it's going to be 100% by any means because you haven't patched it, 
but at least giving your partners a heads up, hey, we have a problem. Not alone, all the other reports that have come out recently that they have been sitting on vulnerabilities that for at least 10 years and pretty much gave a fuck all to the partners and be like, yeah, whatever. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, they there's... have an incredible stance. They, you know, they, they tout yeah. and say they want to be CMMC. They are CMMC. They may be internally, you know, in the whole compartmentalization of the individual products between, you know, IT glue and rocket cyber and all that. And I'm hopefully we'll go into the dumpster fire that maybe is rocket cyber in a little bit. I don't know. Hey, but... I got w- one thing I want to talk about there, Eric, is the fact that they say everything ex- is segmented. The only th- reason everything is segmented is because they came through acquisition. They weren't built on the same platform infrastructure. So that's what saved their ass there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really surprised. I mean, Peter was hinting to this a little bit, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, as an incident response firm, you know, we do, you know, nothing like DNS filter or recorded futures. I mean, a company like ours, we look at those type of things. We look at the thread feeds from those guys, um, especially recorded futures and alien vault to advance our threat feed, you know, and understand exactly what the F is going on. Um, but the, sorry, the whole screen switched on me and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Can you guys hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Yep. Yeah. We're well, okay, great. I'm trying to, I'm uh, dealing with a headset here. I just wanted to make midget, you know, I think we need to still step back for a second. In September of last year, both the FBI and Secret Service warned MSPs uh, and tr- major providers, like I say, um, that malware would be used to deploy. <laughs> uh, but, that they would be used to deploy malware. So at the end of the day, you're right. They should have given me a warning. Uh, it's not like this is uh, this is it's new, new to them. I mean, they have had plenty of time to respond. And they point blank, especially the FBI, point blank, actually called out unrestricted access via army majors, uh in remote logins or where they suspected a significant amount of risk to come from. So, you know, I think it's, we, we, we're quick to, uh, we get so many, I know you guys are the same way, we get so many alerts um, that it gets, we get lost in the alert seat. Uh, but MSPs were warned uh, and major providers were warned as well. And that was... Again, September of last year. I took that FBI, just to piggyback on that if I can real quick, I took the FBI publication more as a warning to the consumer. Look, if you're using these tools inside of your organization or you're leveraging an outside third-party vendor, you need to start having some real daggum conversations and you know, finding out exactly what they're doing to secure not only their house, but yours, right? Because uh, we see it so many times, especially in incident response that, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, we make our clients do this stuff, but uh, you know, we, we just can't be troubled with that garbage. You know, we got work to do. And I'm just like, I, can I say, I think that, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of uh, get out the blame cannon and start saying it's this, this person's full and this, this product's full or whatever, but these kind of things are going to happen regardless of whatever product you use. It's not a matter of like, uh, it, it's just a matter of time. And there's a couple of things, which I think 
MSPs can focus on, which is first of all, having a, like a layered approach and not relying too much on any particular product or service. Um, but also how do you get, uh, you know, how do you recover from it? Uh, I think, uh, John, uh, was pointing out the other day that, um, this is, uh, you know, when was the last time you tested your backups? Not just whether they work or not, but how, how long does it take you to back up, um, uh, to, to restore one, one machine? Um, so, so what's your strategy in, in that kind of case? And like you say, it's, it's going to happen at some point. That's yeah, a really I good point. That, I think it's interesting, you know, I, I, I can, I can trash on Kaseya and I, you know, we're a vendor as well. So, I mean, please do. Go, oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I, let's be honest. DevSecOps is not new. Like we've all known that this is, this is a, a the black hole of everything. And it's not just any vendor, like look internally, most companies are sitting there dealing with infrastructure that is 20 years old. We know that's the thing that we, none of us really want to talk about, which is when they're trying to mobilize and, and develop these apps, the whole digitization of this space, it, it's a threat because we still have this rusty, cranky infrastructure. I mean, all of us know a manufacturing firm that has like a Windows 95 machine cranking out on a test system somewhere because that's the only thing that'll run in, in their environment. But, you know, I, to me, I think like the layered approach is really one way to talk about it because I think you do have some successes here. And I just want to take a brief second to talk about them. On one hand, Huntress um, Labs has done a really phenomenal job about being transparent about what they've discovered. I think that's a, a learning lesson for all of us about that type of sharing is valuable and it's, it's, it helps speed defenders there. Number two is Huntress was triggered on this by Canaries. They have a really cool Canary network. And I think we probably don't talk enough about the value of canaries inside the space. You know, everyone's just going immediately to the idea of ransomware inside the space is, is moving too fast for you to do anything, which in a lot of terms is right. But I think there's, there's value of some of these things that we, we should probably consider like, how do you activate and where, what we should be doing at a larger scope as a, a community to try and alert and trigger warning for a lot of these areas. And the third one is, um, I think there's a smaller story that we don't really want to get into, but it's around like endpoint and AV, where it worked and where it did it. Like there's no technology that was really like a panacea of like, it just stopped it dead in its tracks. But on the other hand, I think that you did see successes where configuration was properly maintained and managed there. And we should like probably talk a little bit about like, wh where was it? Why did it work in those ways? Real, real quick. I know Eric, you have a comment. Shiva has a comment. Um, can you, John, explain what a canary is for the people that don't know? Sure. In, um, I'll, I'll explain the benefit and disadvantage. Uh, a canary comes from the old term of coal miners would take a canary down into the mine. And if the canary died, you know there was gas and need to get out. The concept is, is that if you put a tasty file, there are some things that as an adversary or as a red teamer, you just can't not touch. You can't not open. Um, and so if they see that you'd have to say, all right, maybe they did it, leave a key file all around here. I have to see it. Right. I can't just leave that there. Um, adversary touches it and it signals back. It, it gives you a, a high fidelity warning that someone's in your system touching something that no one else legitimate would be touching right now. Um, the, the challenge there is always like everything else, maintenance, testing, infrastructure management, and those become like the keys to figuring out like how do you actually deploy this properly in an environment? Got it. All right. Uh, Eric, you have something to say. Oh, do we? So uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Huntress. You know, I've thrown a lot of shade at Huntress over time, but 
you know, to their credit, they are definitely advancing what they're doing. You know, me and Shiv have talked, you know, privately to nauseam that we really do think within, you know, the next six or so months that Hunters is going to be coming out and saying, hey, we're, we're launching a sock just because of, you know, what they've been able to demonstrate. You know, Shiv was able to talk about that in nauseam and I'll, you know, reserve that for him if he wants to. But I, I do wonder, you know, with Kaseya, acquisition of rocket cyber why was rocket cyber not the forefront in this situation as number one and number two hunters really they are channel and those that don't know they only sell to msps as far as i know how much is hunters potentially holding back because i fear it's going to be a lot that maybe hunters even knows a ton more than what they're disclosing because they are channeled, they don't want to get the the bad light or the bruised ego or whatever from Kaseya. Like they're going after ConnectWise, who, you know, I don't really like ConnectWise either. I mean, you, I don't like a whole lot of people. Let's just be honest. Um, but, you know, I think ConnectWise did wise on, you know, cutting any and all ties until things could be properly assessed. You know, so... That's just my question. So what's everybody else think? Well, I mean, there's a lot of supposition there and speculation. I I can understand ConnectWise's position of, you know, an abundance of caution and disconnecting their their integration with other Kaseya products. I think there was a political move to that as well. But I can at least understand it on the face of it. And, you know, Huntress is well known in this space for doing exactly what they did and being at the forefront of what's going on and disseminating intelligence and information as rapidly as possible on emerging threats like this. And, you know, it's what I expect from them and, and, Kyle and his team, they do a fantastic job. Um, you know, my, my thoughts and opinions are, are on rocket cyber are, are pretty minimal because, well, they, they're relatively unknown in the space beyond people spending a lot of time complaining about them. Um, like, but overall, I think we should give credit where credit is due in what happened, uh, because Kaseya for, all the, you know, there's plenty of faults in this situation. Yes, they had a code base from, you know, 1998. Um, yes, it, you know, why is it riddled with, you know, SQL injection in 2021? Um, why aren't they doing DevSecOps? You know, like there, there's lots of flaws here, but, you know, there were some, some things they did right. Um, their detection was clearly on point. Because it was less than an hour after the the attack began that somebody hit the big red button and shut everything down. And that is a big move, right? Like if you're if you got a SaaS product and somebody has not only has the authority, but has their thumb over a giant button that declares an incident, shuts everything down, that is a very, very bold move. And the fact that, one, they had a runbook and a process in place for just that kind of scenario speaks to at least some thought going into risk in their organization. 
Um, and the fact that their detection capability was on point enough that they saw this happening on a holiday weekend um, and were able to respond, both detect and respond that quickly is something positive, right? Like, you know, the, the analysis sort of indicates that the, there was time synchronization in this attack and it looks like that a roughly 20 minutes before the mass execution of the, the ransomware, because say I had their, their stuff shut down uh, prior to ex- execution, which most likely mitigated this disaster in a very, very significant way, limiting the, the scope and impact of those with on-prem Kaseya solutions. And that that deserves some credit because there were, you know, 30,000 plus potential clients at, at uh, I'll just Kaseya clients at risk there with just untold numbers of their customers at risk. The impact of this, had they not done that, could have been massive. Okay, well, like, but I, I want to push back on everything you just said there. And not because I hate Kaseya, but I know four or five MSPs in the New York, New Jersey area that I call frenemies, competitors, colleagues, whatever. We hate each other, but we deal with each other. They got popped 9, 10 a.m. Eastern time. They started calling Kaseya. Kaseya literally had their dick in their hand. Didn't know what to do. So I don't think they had a really flushed out IRP for this. And if you look at the press release, at the releases they put out, if you look at the way they operated, they were shooting from the hip. And that kill switch button was a last resort because they realized how bad this was. And it was, in fact, a vulnerability they had been trying to patch for the last two months. Eric, and that's so you got fair. something here. That, that's fair. I, you know, if you, if you have access to information that I don't have access to, great. If, if the intelligence on the ground that you have access to is indicating that, then you're probably absolutely right. Like I said, I can only comment on information I have access to. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is Huntress. I mean, I think they're an interesting play. If you look at their pedigree, where those guys came from, it really, the Kaseya incident really showcased their pedigree. And I've always said those guys are too smart to be doing, you know, persistence threat hunting. And I think they were forced to show their hand of two things, their capability and extensibility. And how deeply into their syst- into your system they can get with their agent running a system. And as Eric said, I think Kyle's timetable for announcing a managed SOC has been brought up considerably. I just wanted to throw on, uh, I'm putting on my Eric hat right now. By the way, this is now my aggressive hat. It's called an Eric hat. Uh, <laughs> this wasn't, I, I kind of got a side on the, uh, on Shiva's side there. The, this wasn't Kaseya's first time. Like taking the other side mm-hmm. of this. It's yeah. one, like we, we were doing research. We found that, um, like people were talking about exactly this type of authentication bypass against like MSPs against software like this in like, you know, about 10 years ago, like in Russian uh-huh. films, there's literally Russian hacker magazines that I'll throw the link up, but like that they, they were saying like, this is exactly, and they had designed the whole attack. This is this can say a second time in what, three years that they had something very similar happen to them. Third time um, with Revo. Yeah. yeah. So like they, I, well, well, I, I think like, yeah, they did the minimum and they did, I think you should applaud that they were able to shut down that quickly, 
they've had practice too. <laughs> like <if> you, <laughs> that's that's a fair assessment. <laughs> you know, and what I, John is saying is, um, just interrupt for a second. That sorry, this is Kaseya. In my opinion, deserves no kudos. There is so many things that I've already brought up, and several other people have already brought up that they have could have done in communication with their partners to help mitigate this damn train wreck. Yeah, but Eric, if I can cut you off one second there, they couldn't mitigate this publicly because they're prepping for IPO. So they needed to bury this as deep as they could, get through their IPO, and hope Rebel waited a few months. Well, and and, and let's face the facts. I mean, the legal counsel within Kaseya was driving this train and and absolutely controlling, uh, they were in damage control uh, from the beginning. They need better lawyers if they let uh, Fred do those videos. At at the end of the day, this is repetitive redundancy, whatever, from the last three. So they've been trained. uh, This is not their first rodeo. And there's no question the legal counsel was governing, you know, had guardrails on all of their activities. I'm just going to be really interested to see. I'm sorry, Peter. I'll be quiet in a second. No worries. No worries. Go ahead. You know, we're still seeing leaks of information coming out about solar winds right this is going to be the same thing and i i will almost put money that you know dollars a dough us money on the table whatever that kaseya knew about this and so many more situations well and literally just did not care i want to throw something in there based on that is orion happened what was that november or december I remember it was a Sunday night. It started to break the news. By Tuesday morning, they had a patch issued to mitigate what they had found so far. How long did it take Kaseya to issue a patch on a vulnerability or set of vulnerabilities they were work- already working on for two months? So if anyone gets kudos in this kind of situation, I think it would be SolarWinds. How quickly they reacted. And that shows me they had an IRP. The fact yeah. that it took Kaseya right. 10 days to issue, that is a little iffy for me. I, I just want to respond to a couple of other points before we get too far on in the conversation. Um, first thing is about um, uh, what Huntress might be holding back. I think probably they are, and that's probably a good thing. There's always a judgment call on what you reveal about a, a vulnerability investigation. Um, you know, you've got to kind of decide whether it's for the public good or not. And I think Huntress have been way more upfront than most people would have been. And I think it's, I think it's brilliant. It's good to see. Nobody else did. So, I mean, but that's not true. Sorry. Other people did, but Huntress were definitely there at the front. Um, but the other thing was that there is going to, there's going to be a, a really long fallout from this. Like it's going to be months and we'll still be finding out stuff like, uh, stuff about this and related attacks as well. Um, so I think. It's, and you said at the beginning, Steve, that um, if you're not sick of Kaseya already, then uh, strap in. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's over by any means. I, I think that's a, like so. When I'm thinking about this stuff, like I, I can trash on vendors and other people as much as anybody else, but I, I like to think about like what what are people actually doing? Because like realistically, when you're looking at the environment and uh, like a very holistic view at the environment, it's easier to. It's easier to trash on something like a colonial or something like that, where it's like one company, one impact, they had all the money and resources to be able to do things. And you're saying like negligence. It's really hard to accuse like the the end company that's using like an MSP to try and say, oh, they should have brought this. Well, they tried, right? Like it's really hard to do that. 
I think there's some lessons in my perspective. I think these lessons are the ones that really apply to like how our community and how we need to think about like the vendor space and how that full vendor vendor and partner space work um, in providing information. One, I, you know, I think like the model of, I think the point I was trying to get with Huntress is like the model that they did of putting at least a lot of information out there, stuff that's defensible, stuff that as a, as a responder on the ground is very useful to me is, is really helpful. Um, is a, is a model that we should probably just all adapt to get better at. I know like with recorded future, I'm trying to push us to be able to put more information out there. Number two is, yeah, you're always going to hold certain information back. I mean, we all do like, we all have, like every one of us has a story about some kind of incident that you had an NDA in place, but it was like, oh man, things were really bad. Like somebody was running a, like a cloud app, except they had it on a local <laughs> box. <laughs> um, like. I think the third thing is as a defender, like I get back to that idea of defense in depth. And I, I think people have just said that security is really binary. Like, oh, I can't handle it right now. I'm just going to shove it off and, and push it off to these other orgs. And I think we're just getting past that as, as a community. You have to have some level of ownership when you're doing, when you're running things locally, when you're taking advice, you have to be doing, I guess, playing both sides. And by that, I mean, you have to one set up kind of some base level uh, security of your own. Think about how you're doing configuration locally, how you're actually implementing and where you're actually slotting in an MSP. I think you see the same problem with like cloud, for example. Everybody's like, I can just shove it to the cloud, not thinking like, well, there's a lot of layers of ownership there. How much do I want to accept? And like, what's my responsibility? What's my duty if I do accept that? And I think like that we need to have more transparency in that. Um, And I, I think kind of my last thing there is saying like, you know, as... As a as an as an entire community, we need to think, you know, be very thoughtful about like what's this impact on the space right now. We we both kind of dead right now, but like, let's be honest, we're probably because everyone's waiting for either them to open source their stuff or just a bunch of dumps of data that gets pulled into the next like leak cred or something else that gets pulled into. Like, I mean, we are seeing Conti take over space, or you're seeing a bunch of other uh, ransomware actors uh, start uh, like Lockbit. I think is coming up really strongly in the space. Um, but like, when you look at them, I think this type of attack of where they're no longer just going after big fish, they're saying, Hey, we can use this type of supply chain attack. We'll customize a dropper on a stage one, whereas we'll still use our regular stage two or regular encryption modules, um, as kind of like stock. That's a dangerous model because it says, Hey, they're willing to make the time and investment for something they think will scale very well as an attack surface. And I think you're going to see more and more of that occur. Because they've seen that it can be very successful and frankly, very profitable for them until somebody comes and stomps them down. You know, one thing that Eric and I always talk about is you have, and maybe John, you see this more often based on what your company does. These guys, these ransomware actors, they go crazy for a few weeks and collectively they all shut down or slow down for another couple of weeks and then they start up again. And I personally think that's because they're constantly evolving their TTPs and they are constantly upgrading their code but i think this last shutdown of revil was two things they didn't want the spotlight that was on them so they'll come back as something else or what have you again exactly right i mean they were <laughs> they were grand crab sort of nabiki revil and you know each one of those names hit kaseya just to keep on topic for kaseya and my love of kaseya but i think the most important thing that these guys are doing the ransomware guys is if, in fact, money was actually recovered in the Colonial Pipeline extortion, which we I don't know if it was or if it's that, that's just propaganda, they are probably 
redoing their TTPs to get paid, clear the money, and come back. And there was a bank, I forget the name, that was, um, sorry, not a bank, a law firm that services the Fortune 500 that was recently cryptoed. And from what I've read, it seems like Revil. If you look at the TTPs. So, again, these guys, they take the time to improve themselves. And where I'm going with this is, we have a very low barrier to entry in the MSP space or in the IT space. You get a laptop that barely works, you're an IT guy. And we need some type of trade association, co-op, or anything to band together to create a minimum set of security requirements that we all hold to. And once we can do something like that, then we go to the insurance companies. And this is why I like CMMC, just because it has a tiered five-level piece. based Using CMMC as the example, Whatever level you're at is how the insurance company can now rate your risk to provide cyber insurance and that for your clients, this, that. But it also helps to raise the tide of the entire industry. Let's just be clear, though, for those who are not in our space and maybe watching or even those, because ConnectWise is still doing information dumps that is literally pissing me off. They are going around and everybody's touting CMMC, CMMC. I'm going through self-assertion of CMMC level four, which is an effing nightmare. But that's because I'm going after the DOD. CMMC is for the DOD and government contractors. It's not for the public sector. People, please stop telling everybody that's for the public sector. It's not. But There's it's really people cool getting, to say. But the public sector is not going to spend 150,000 fucking dollars to go through an assessment. They're no, not. MSPs will do that. They'll just stop haggling for tw- a two cent uh, discount on Peter's product. Come on, Peter. You know that happens. They try to grind you down to the lowest price possible. I, I stay as far away from sales as I can. Thank you very much. So uh, I'm not, <laughs> not going to so There we go. I'm going to coin it. MSPs are new nonprofit business. <laughs> you know what? Um, I think would be good though is. Is, is more threat intelligence sharing. Although it is tricky to do it properly. Uh, first of all, you have to validate the, the threat intel that you're giving and to, that you're taking. There's a value to any threat intelligence that you have. Um, so especially if you're a company that's protecting customers, if you give that away for free to anybody else, then uh, you're diminishing the value of your product. I don't like so, free. Charge for <laughs> everything. If my vendor's not making money, how are they answering my calls tomorrow? <laughs> right. Um, but there's so much, everybody benefits from it when there is a proper community. Um, it's something that we've been looking into quite a bit recently with, um, uh, a couple of, uh, organizations, uh, there's some threat intelligence sharing at SIG as part of first, if you guys are aware of that, um, there is, uh, we're, we're looking to get involved in MISP on, uh, uh European the circle from Luxembourg, um, there's a lot of really good projects going on and, and there's a lot of people working behind the scenes to kind of. Basically, just protect everybody. Like from my point of view, I just care about providing the best threat protection I can. So I want to get my hand on hands on as much data as I can. But it's it is tricky to do properly. I have a question. Talking about getting as, your hands on as much data as you can as a vendor, and maybe well, John, this is not really for you because you guys are built on Intel. So you, how do you feel about most vendors, unless you absolutely need it, having a zero knowledge architecture? where they cannot go into my tenant of theirs or my client's tenants, data mine and sell that. 
I mean, from my point of view, it's I'm very conflicted on this uh, personally because well, you should it's based really, on your product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's so great to have that data there to look at when you need it, but there is that danger of uh, you know um, privacy violations and mm-hmm. handling the data properly is is tricky. What about anonymizing where it's from? Oh, uh, that's I mean. <sighs> There's different claims, but it's it's rarely ever fully anonymized. But then again, it can be anonymized to the point where it's acceptable to use in other places. It's it it's very situational. Yep. I think for you and Threat Intel, it's kind of okay for you guys to see things just because of the nature of your product. But let's talk RMM. Let's talk PSA. Should ConnectWise, Autotask, Cassa, uh, or any of these guys be able to go and see who your customers are, the assets you have for them, serial numbers, MAC addresses, or any of that? Because that's a whole other attack surface. Well, are you talking about the agent or are you talking about the employees at Kaseya having the ability to look inside your tenant and see what's anyone there? that's not my company or my clients being able to see that RMM or PSA data should not be a thing. Yeah, you I think. have a conversation with Microsoft, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're too big. You can't control them. So Eric, unless Eric, you go GCC. Eric, Eric, I know, I know you've got your hand up, but I'm sorry. Um, all right, so so Keith has a really good point. I mean, we've we've complained like for the entire time so far, and I think it's time for us to stop complaining because it's not doing us any good. Um, we can sit here and bitch and moan about Kaseya and SolarWinds and whoever else. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.